was brilliant. It was just like all that hard work that we have put in has paid off. You know, I honestly think to do something like that you have to be so prepared mentally and physically. It is it's a tough it is a tough thing to do. But maybe more so mentally, get in mind of her matter. So it is, but I was just delighted to get over that finish line and in one piece and not having to crawl or having Emmy to help me and it was just amazing. That, my friend, was Joanne Graham. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're all recovering well from your last race. I'm Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. I've been a bit busy, so do my best to get an episode out, but we have an amazingly strong woman on the podcast this week, Joanne Graham from Morn Runners in Kilkeel, County Down. A working mum with three kids, she only started running in 2015 and managed to progress to a 132 half in 2017, taking second podium in the Newry Half Marathon. In 2018, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and in this episode, we go into what it's like to run your first marathon. But before we start, I'd just like to announce our new sponsor, XL Sports. Not being able to run on the road at the minute, I'm extremely jealous of their next event, which is in the Donegal Wild Atlantic Marathon. They also are doing a half marathon course. It's in Killybegs, County Donegal, and it's being held on the 14th of July. An absolutely beautiful course, so check out their Facebook page to register. I'll stick up their flyer on the Inspirational Runner page also, so you can check it out. With great pleasure... I give you Joanne Graham. What? So the marathon's crazy, wasn't it? It was, mental. Yeah, it was. It was what you expected it to be. It was, ex- well, it's what I expected it to be and more, probably. Because it, I wasn't prepared for the people, you know, the help, the support and all you get mm. going out. And even from people that you knew, just turning up, being there. And shouting at you to go on because every bit see once it yeah. gets to that point every footstep in front of the other you're just like people even around you're saying keep going keep going i had, I had a friend in work he'd done phenomenal um three hours 14 he ran which is brilliant but he just he is buzzing yeah. it's his first marathon really and just like something you should be podcasting <laughs> but he's like you know where's the next race at mm. from the perspective of what you just said yeah. It's just that whole atmosphere he's never experienced. It was his first race ever. Yeah, yeah. Just to get that experience of on such a grand scale. Yeah. You know, so yeah. what, what made you sign up for the marathon? Hmm. I didn't really sign up for the marathon on my own, but it was Kieran and the boys. I had been out training with them on from start of January. The morning runners? No, more uh, were classed as more to run. Kieran and Jim and Michael and all they have their own wee running group. So uh, they said to me, come along, Jim and Michael and all, and Adrian said to me, come along. They met me out one Saturday morning doing my own run, and uh, on my own, and it's hard sometimes to get motivated on your own. And they said, you're welcome to come with us any time, but at this point I was like maybe doing maybe nine miles, ten miles max on a Saturday. And I just said to them, well, how far have you gone today? And they're like, I've done 15 miles. I was like, cheapers, never am I going to do 15 miles? And I was like, the next time you're going out and it's a bit less, I'll certainly go with you. That's next week then. And I was like, right, well, so you can keep me up informed. So, of course, Jim, he kept me informed. And the next Saturday, we're out and we're done 13 miles, which was okay because I had done that before. You'd done a half before? Oh, yeah. You'd done brilliant in the half, though, wasn't it? What time did you get? It was like 1.30. The best one I had done in Uri was 
132. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. I, I even shocked myself that day. How long ago was that? 2000... 2017. 2017. Yeah. That's a brilliant time, like seven minute mile. Yeah. It was, it was um, some going. But the day, the weather and all was in our favour that they not the year before. Um, mm. But then I maybe wasn't prepared for it the year before, but the weather the year before was so hot. And yeah. there wasn't an air, and it was sun beating down on you, and I was never as glad to get to the finish line that year. I think I'd done a four-hour pacer. That year, for that the marathon? Yeah, for the marathon. And I took the four-hour pacer top off, like, at mile 20 and hung it in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> came over. Too <laughs> yeah, came in 401. It was so warm, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, how long ago did you start running, then? Started in 2015. Yeah, I was going to say, because it wasn't that long. Like, so no, you, you... we started in 2015. The first race that I ever done was Race for Life in Stormont. We signed up, me and Andrea. Never had ran much at all. And somebody had said to us, would you just go down on the bus and do your Race for Life? And I was like, well, I might. I never would ever really end night. And then mm. I said to a few of the girls, does anybody else fancy it? And they were like, no, no, I'm not doing it. And Andrea was the only one said, yeah, I actually might do it with you. And I says, well, well, sure, we'll see how we got on. And we started running for that in January as well. Like, it was only 5K we were doing. yeah. But because none of the two of us had ever run before, it was a bit starting from scratch. Like I couched a 5k, we run a bit and was stopped, and we run a bit more and was stopped. But we got there. It was an achievement just to get round from my house, round the harbour, up the road, without <laughs> stopping. That was the big achievement. So and that was, was in 2015? That was 2015. Did you have any ad- athletic background apart from no. that? Did you do any sports like well, hockey? Well, we did a bit at school. I, in my <laughs> first year in high school, I was in a Balnehinch High School. But they were all into netball. And then whenever I we moved up here in second year, then there was no netball in school. It was all hockey. Yeah. And I did enjoy it. But it was the sort of thing, when you weren't there the year before, they had their team picked. You know, you never really got a chance to be on the team, such a thing. You know, you played it in games and stuff, but you never mm. would ever had that chance to get the team spot because they had the team picked from the year before. You have a young family, don't you? Mm-hmm. What age? Cassie's 12. Ruby's nine and Harvey's five. Okay, so you two thousand fifteen. You were sort of at home, mm-hmm. extremely busy hands, and your husband Andrew was away out on the bike. Yeah, well, yeah, he started. <laughs> he started pretty much around the same time as oh, me. Did he? Yeah, he started pretty much around the same time as me. Slightly before me, I think he was cycling. Slightly before. So it's quite a life change, lifestyle change for both of you, really. I think we sort of made the decision that come then after we had Harvey, three children's more than enough for anybody. It's now time to get us back into shape again, mm. because like whenever you are have a young family, things get put to the side. They really yeah. do, and probably your exercise and health one. Of them. You know, everything's just about day to day, getting sleep, and yeah. working and paying bills and. That's what that's one thing that I sort of notice a lot of people who sort of start around mid thirties. Yeah. And it's just that exactly what you've explained there. You know, yeah. like you all of a sudden you have a young family and you put on. Two or three stone, yeah. and it's time to get back into some sort of shape, you know, and you get consumed by it mm-hmm. without even realizing that you know, two, three, four years ago because you're so busy, yeah, that's it, yeah. So, that was a great introduction into it, then, yeah. I had been, I had started the gym, I'd started the gym before that, I'd started the gym maybe about six months before that, so I had sort of built mm. up some sort of sort of fitness. I wouldn't say brilliant, but a wee bit. Of fitness. So what sort of buzz did you get out of going to Stormont? Stormont was, Stormont was brilliant. So it was I mean your first it, run, sorry. Not Belfast. But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the one with Andrea, that was brilliant. That was our first one, me and her rocked up to Stormont. 
and the crowds of people. So there was, and uh, people of all ages. That was the big thing that we noticed too, mm. and all fitness levels. It's not what you expect when you first get into running, is it? You no. know, it's like you have to be a runner, you have to be athletic, you yeah. know, sporty. But when you actually go to the races, because yeah. that's one of the fears really, isn't it? I'm going to be last in this race. Yeah, and it's the buzz and me and her stuck together and she kept saying to me, you go on, I goes, no, we're trained together, we're staying together, the both of us are going to cross this line together and Andrew and David and the wee ones and Julie, her sister and all had came down to support us that day too. Like the whole way to Belfast for 5k, you sort of think about it now, you think, that's mad. <laughs> Yeah, and it happens so quick. Like when you look back, time goes by so quickly, doesn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. so like from five k to a one thirty two half wow. marathon, like in two years. Yeah, that's quite a, that's quite a jump. That's quite an achievement. Well, whenever we finished the race, we had said like we worked so hard for this. Um, I don't think we should stop. I think we should mm. keep going. Still keep running because I said no, that bit's done. There's more grand do. So there is, and so she agreed, which was good. So what did you do the first year then? What sort of focus? Because like, you wouldn't have thought about half marathon at no, that stage. No, right? it was all fight. It was all about our next big thing would have been a ten k. Right, we've done five k, so can we step it up to a ten k? And I think that year we went down and done Titanic, run her ten k, which yeah. was all women, which was great because there was no men there. There's no competition because like. Another one of those sexist runs. Oh yeah, same. yeah. <laughs> you get the odd man dressed up as a woman, which is good because yeah, yeah. they don't care. They just come in their tutu as well and go. And there was me and Andrea and Diana had done that Titanic and we enjoyed it. So mm. we did. And then after that, the sort of focus then on what other local ten k's would have been too. So I think that year, I think actually that year we did do Dan Busters. So we did. I know me and Diana did Dan Busters that year in the August because um, we turned up at, and I was just looking through photographs and I definitely hadn't got my vest on then. It was just morning running gear. Mm. So it must have been then because it, it must have been the next year then after that that we all joined the club. So very quickly, it's safe to say that you got the running bug right yeah. right from the off, yeah. from that 5k and then 10k, then Dan Busters, 10 miler. It's not an easy 10 miler either. The Dan Busters was, it was only the 10k we did because there was a, there's a okay. half, yeah, there was only the Dan part. We're definitely, we're never signed up for a half. Yeah. Really. <laughs> 10k, we might have went down. If they had it on the 5k's at that stage, we might have went down to it then. Mm. But the only option you had was your 10k or the half, so we definitely weren't signed up for no half marathon. It's a, it's, I love that, like, you know, because when you look back, at that moment there's no way you're going to do half like yeah. marathon like you just ha you'd laugh that off exactly you yeah know what I mean? it's totally you're just like you're having a laugh there's not a mission i would be fit to do that i couldn't cope with that but yeah whenever you keep going then you somebody says to you it's just somebody just plants that wee seed and saying why don't you try that half you'd be well fit for that and you're just like oh maybe could have let me try it and so you remember your first half then? That was Newry, Newry 2016 was my first half. And what sort of and time? And I think if I had, that was 1.49. Brilliant. But even at that point, because the weather was so warm, and we were coming along that towpath and there wasn't an air. And at that point, I was just like, this is madness. Why did I ever agree to do this? If I get back to that finish line, I'll never be doing it again. <laughs> that's just the things that's going through your head at the yeah. time. And then everybody kept saying it was such a warm day. It wasn't like this last year. And um, you can't account for the weather conditions. So you really jumped then from 2016 to 2017. Yeah. Didn't you really? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because like one forty nine to one thirty two, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. What do you think helped you do that? It's hard to pinpoint exactly what helped <coughs> me do that, but we had continued on and done more races. But that year in twenty seventeen, I had signed up to do um, the Hill and Dales. Okay. So there was a few club so members. You don't do easy. So you joined the club at this stage. Well, I had joined the club at that stage. And it was Morn, the Morn Runners. Yeah, I had joined so. the club. I think it was near the end of twenty sixteen, beginning of twenty seventeen, when we joined the club. And there was, um, encouragement from Laura at that stage. You know, to join. She had joined, and she's like, "Come on, join it." Laura be, Graham. Yes, it'll be great. And we're like, "What's your? What would we do in a club?" But she says it's not about that. She says just join. Everybody will be joining. And I was like. Right, okay, and so then, so it was like Tiny's Whispers, Andrea, would you join? And then Diana, would you join? Well, if you're going to join, I'll join. So I was like, right, well, that'll do, we'll do that then. So uh, we joined it in late 2016, start of 2017. So by the next year and a half, I had my best on then. Yeah, so the Helen Dales, you, did you do it in that, that season then, before I did, Newry in 2017? I did, yes, I started it, because it's April time, so we started the Helen yeah. Dales series, but it is some shock to the system, <laughs> definitely. I, I think, so. you forget after every race yeah. how bad it is, and then yeah. halfway through the next race you're like, this is hell, yeah. this is so this is yeah. so tough. Like, it leads you into false sense of security after the first, for the first couple. Yeah. Because they're not near as bad as what it gets. They're not as bad. Yeah. I do find them hard though. They are hard. Because um, they're a bit faster. Yeah. They are. And it's just, it literally is determination to get up that hill. Mm. You know, and like sometimes but people do stop and walk and I stop and walk. I do. And then run on after that, you know, but um, it definitely, I think it did improve my yeah. fitness that So year. just before you went into the Hillendales then, what sort of pace? Not well, not exactly. Like, did you find that you were? So, I suppose the question is, did Hillendales make me lift, quicker? Make you quicker? I think it did. Mm. Yeah, I think. Do you think that it, that it sort of develops a stronger mindset? Because now you're pushing through this, which is a lot harder and deeper. Yeah. That actually, when you go into the road, it brings you down. Yeah, and you can, you've got that wee bit more fitness, <clears throat> and you're thinking to yourself, if I can climb up Binion, if I can run up Binion yeah. or walk quick up Binion. Like, that wee hill, that's nothing. Because <laughs> Evelyn now is doing the Hill and Dales for the yeah. first time. She's doing brilliant, my wife. And um, this is her fourth. So we've done four. Yeah. And what's really surprised me is her finishing. Yeah. And, like, she's a lot mentally stronger. Yeah. Finishing the Hill yeah. and Dales. I mean, like, she's given it as hard as she can. Yeah. Whereas in the road, she won't go that deep. Yeah. You know, she, she sticks to her safe deep. pace. You have to dig deep <clears throat> up the mountain. Yeah. So, it so it's a bit of a character builder. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So I think, and obviously, you know, when you're running a pace of like 132, for example, a lot of that is in the head as well. Yeah. You know, your fitness will carry you so far. Yeah. But those last three or four miles when you... Yeah. If, like, Willie John Brown, <coughs> like, he would give you good advice normally. He was always like, because he did that marathon that year too, and he was doing the Hill and Dales along with me. But he would always <coughs> say, don't go out too quick on your first mile. Settle in the pace that you're comfortable with, and then if you think you can pick it up after that, mm. pick it up. Whereas I was sort of one would try and go at a pace quick, and then just try and hold it. See these ones, I I am in all these ones that can go out slower and finish quicker. Mm. How they do it, I don't know. Everybody's sort of different, aren't they? Yeah, how they it's really John's brain. He's like two hours fifty minute. I marathon. Yeah, he's going to do the Great Wall of China now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, him and Damien's heading over now shortly. Yeah, I'm gonna get him on the podcast soon, so this will just. So I'll give a little summary of them there. <laughs> I think I'd be up for that. Um, so 2017, then 131 
132. I remember you finishing that. And somebody was saying to me, like, I think it's going to run 135 today. And I was like, I don't think Joanne's going to run 135. I'm being open and honest. Like, but it's like, how the hell is she here already? And it was 132 and it finished in the, in the main street, yes. didn't it? Oh, yeah. How did that feel? Because that is like boom. It was amazing. We got to I got to a certain point, and I think at that stage I was a mile out, and there was the marshals all on the path, and they were cheering you to come on, and she said to me, "Keep going, you're second lady at the minute," and I was like, second lady? How is that even possible?" And I was like, "Goodness, well that was just enough grit and determination just to make sure yeah. I didn't stop and walk and keep <clears> going at that point." So it was, I was just like, wow, that's amazing. How on earth have I done that? I actually surprised myself. And whenever I got over the line, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what a difference in a year yeah. from last year to this year. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, what did your husband and your kids think? Oh, they were, like? they were delighted. <clears throat> so they were totally delighted. Really were. But like Andrew, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without, yeah. it works both ways. He gets out on his bike, I get out to run. I have to try and organise ourselves yeah. around everything. Because it's important that, you know, because both work and family, you yeah. know, you've got three kids. Sure, they're um, involved in that much stuff now too. And they might, uh, Honestly. especially 12 years of age, and yeah. my 13 and 11 year old, and my son's, I keep on talking about him on the podcast, they stop talking to me on the podcast, like, but, you know, but I know a lot of people, and some people don't even have kids, who's, yeah. who, who feel they don't have the time to do that. Yeah. It's not about having the time, really, it's is it? making the time, isn't it? No, you really do have yeah. to make the time. But it is a social thing, too. Yeah. Like, the amount of people that I would never have <clears throat> met from doing this is unreal. The amount of people that you meet, and people talk to everybody, people talk to everybody. You know, you run along the road, and somebody has a wee conversation with you, and you're like, well, how's it going? Oh, I'm not good today. Oh, <laughs> don't talk about it. Just keep going. Try and encourage everybody whenever they're right running. It is. It's good. So what was your thoughts after Newry then? Because you got second podium, didn't you? Yeah. And then my thoughts were like, how on earth did that happen? Because <laughs> that was a brilliant time. It's great to get that sort of... Yeah, that we that we lift. Yeah. That you need it. But so I went back into the... I went back in. I still had Hill and Deal to finish. It wasn't finished. But my Hill and Deal wasn't finished that time. Then I had still a couple of races to do. But... Really, I was only there for the, as I'd say, to get the t-shirt. Mm. Yeah, but you had to do so many races to get your t-shirt. So pick the races wisely. I didn't do the one. I didn't do the one in um, the mountains before the half marathon, just in case I rolled an ankle or something, yeah. because I'd be a bit my clumsy. Would that be the right word? Coming down and like a ferry coming down, like see these bonds bounding down past you. I don't know how to do it. But it's different on the on the road, obviously, when you're a road runner. Yeah. Um, and you're coming onto the mountain. Like them guys that are used to mountain, they just launch themselves. Yeah. They don't really care. But if, especially on the road, I always find them very tentative because I've always got a race yeah. in like you're three or four ahead. weeks and you're afraid of knocking yourself out. And you, yeah. When you have that good level of fitness, like a 130 or any good level of fitness, whatever pace it is, you're trying to protect that as well, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. So I remember you coming down Rocky yeah because was that the race after no it was just before Newry actually yeah Rocky it was a good one it was a difficult one it was so steep but I think I was near at the back of the queue at that at that night I think I was near one of the last the sweeper wasn't that far behind me he's <laughs> coming down very tentative like yeah when taking got... it slowly and surely getting there so was that your biggest race then in 2017 the Newry half yeah Newry half was the biggest one that I'd done and I'd done well so mm. it was, it was, uh... But you done, you 
That wasn't the only podium you got in 2017, then you started picking up a few. No, I'd done Downbusters. I think Downbusters is that same, same year. I'd done the 10k then, and again, difference from what a year made, it was, I was first lady that year in Downbusters. You sort of forget. Whenever you've done races, you're trying to think to yourself, what did I actually do? You know, you... I Trust me, I can remember all my podiums. There's <laughs> <laughs> not that many of them. <laughs> oh, no. There's not that not been that many. There have been a few. There haven't been that many, but there have been a few. Now to be fair. So, seeing your training, obviously you're you're building strength and you're running. Were you introducing like intervals type of running, you know, to get down to a, like a one thirty one one thirty two hitting like podiums? Were you just running out fast or? I wasn't. I was just running out, just running. Sometimes it had been fast, sometimes it had been slow. Very little interval, interval training. I remember going interval training on that one night with Laura. Wow. <laughs> and was, it was just like, never phone me again, look for me to come running with you. <laughs> because she's on a different level altogether. Yeah. So she is. And I think that day, we were, I think we'd done seven miles. And it was the quickest seven mile ever I'd done. And I was sort of thinking to myself, see if I had you as a pacer, I would be flying. I says, because you just, I'm just having a hit with you. And she's just effortlessly talking. Mm. And I'm gasping for air. That's brilliant. Yeah. So 2018 then. It was yeah. a bit of a different year in 2018. 2018 was a different year for me. We had, we had races. I had done. I had done done in February. And then I'd done a very wet Carlingford not long after that, in March. And what sort of pace have you holding around that? Are you still holding around that 130? There were one, I had a notion there were 136 and 138 mm. around those paces. So the one in Carlingford, I think it actually was a 136, which wasn't too bad. I wasn't that got it that that because the wind and the rain driving in the face yeah. that day. At one point <laughs> I looked over and seen the ferry and thought, so what I wouldn't give to be on that now. <laughs> But like everything, you just trample on and you finish the race and you get back to the finish line. You're just grateful that you can get back to the finish line. So yeah. So I'd done it in March and then in the end of March, I had found a lump and I went to the GP who referred me into the hospital and being naive and all, working in the health service yourself, you think to yourself, sure this is going to take forever. Yeah, had no, I had no idea I would get an appointment so quick. So I was at, up at the hospital right near at the end of March and I was diagnosed with breast cancer on the 4th of April. That was a shock. That was a big shock because even though I had found the lump before that and the GP had checked it and all, she didn't seem to think <clears throat> it was anything to be concerned mm. about. So I didn't concern myself about it. You do have to be careful with things like that, don't you? Like, so we had Pat on it on yes. podcast last time and it's very similar um, it's very important to get those things checked out yeah, and really. even a second recommendation yeah. um, is very important as well like isn't it like, it is because it's your own health <coughs> that you're mm. dealing with here so it is and they always say you always hear them telling you if you ever find anything that's just not normal for you always get it checked and so that was always in the back of your head anyway yeah. So I thought, well, I have to get something to see here because this, I don't think this is right. So they checked it and all and then referred me into the hospital, did the biopsies and then phoned me. They said, we'll phone you on, uh, I think it was the Friday, and we'll phone you on Wednesday. So I was like, okay. So they phoned me to work on Wednesday and at that point they didn't say directly over the phone what it was. They just told me that all this stuff to get done. I had to go for blood tests and I had to go and get... um 
an appointment to see a consultant and still at that point I hadn't said you know exactly what was happening but whenever you hear them things yeah. like well this is maybe a bit more serious than just assist because I don't think you would see a consultant for things like that so I had it mentally in my own head I had myself sort of half prepared for what they were going to tell me but even at that the doctor said to me like you're only 35 you don't really fit the criteria for somebody that has breast cancer it's like you're active and you're young and you don't wow. have to wait yeah, but it's like you learn these things because discriminates against nobody. Mm. You know, there is no That's why I'm surprised thing. the doctor would come out with something like that, isn't yeah. it? Like, really? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how healthy you are. Yeah. Or how well you look after yourself. Yeah. Or what age you are, to yeah. be honest. You know, it's yeah. it's there for everybody. So, you've done an absolutely amazing job, though. Like, that's 2018. Yeah. So, it does show how important early diagnosis is. Oh, definitely. Um, and if one thing I can bring across in the podcast, like if you are, if there is anything suspicious, get it checked out. Yeah. Don't be, you're better off. And I always say with men, you know, if you, you're better off coming exactly. out feeling embarrassed than actually yeah, something happening, like, you know, so. So they told me that on the 4th of April. And then I said to them, one of my questions was, well, can I still run? And they were like, yeah, as long as you feel happy and you're not tired and all this, you can still run. And I was like, okay. Because at that stage, there was, um, obviously I was going to have to have an operation, but we weren't aware of when that was going to be at that point. So the, it happened then that the Miles for Muscles race in Kilbrona had to be cancelled on Easter Monday because of the weather. And it happened to be the next Sunday. And I had said to Andrew, you know something I think I'm going to go and do it because I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to run again or how if I'm going to feel fit to run or anything and he's like well if you want to do it tear away you know so we ended up doing miles for muscles that year and that's a that's a tough race like, it was that's a not tough, an easy one yeah it was a tough race and you'll know yourself from really John he's a big he's a big fan of doing a pre-run <laughs> so we had done a pre-run of it on the Easter Tuesday and whenever we were doing that he was like cheat resist is brutal that hill, brutal. And I was like, sometimes it's good not to know where you're running. But mm. uh, he got as well prepared for that. And then on the Sunday, we went to Kilbrona and did the Miles from Muscles race. And I came first in it. Wow. So I did. Delighted with that. And so how, how, did, how did you feel then? Because like, you come first in that. And now you're just, you're about to go through that healing process, I suppose. Like, um. Like, did you feel good about going into that in such good health? Because one thing I suppose from the last podcast we done was, um, so Pat found running as well, yeah, and her body was in great shape. Yeah, do you find that that sort of helped you? It definitely did. Yeah, because there was a point in the race whenever I got to, I got to the top, we got up that big hill and went up through the forest and took us back out onto the path again and obviously I wasn't a fit to run up the forest anybody that can run up through that forest they deserve a medal on their own got up through the forest got out onto the lane again and I sort of gathered myself up again and I had to start you have to start that running process again keeping yours try to get your speed get up again and I thought right Joanne just keep going and I had in my head if you can't do this how on earth do you think you're ever going to beat breast cancer you have to just keep going that's brilliant you've got was. a beautifully strong mind I think <laughs> I think that's what's what's helped you through it, but yeah. that's one one benefit I think as runners that we don't actually realise. You know, you're getting your body in great shape to be able to help you overcome the obstacles yeah. that are going to come in life. 
because they will come. Yeah. And like, there's obstacle after obstacle. That's Nobody just life. Nobody knows what to have, I'm sure they That's not. just what that's what life is like. You know, so running is a bit of a gift that way to get you in a good, both mental and physical, good strong well, condition. Definitely isn't helps. it? Like, because so that brings you to 2019. Okay. Yeah. Wow. After the year that you've been through, you've only been running now for like four years, really. Yeah. Um, so can you remember signing up for the marathon? Yeah. I had been away on, at the end of 2018. We had went to Lanzarote for three days, four days. And Jim and the boys all were going out to do a half marathon. Some were doing the half marathon and some were doing the marathon. And so we all went and done that. There was three of them did the full marathon and the rest was done the half. And that later that evening we were sitting in a wee bar and the crack was 90 and all and they were saying, you know, what's up next for them and all. And some of them had Manchester in mind, some of them had uh, London. And they said to me, would you do a marathon? I just burst out laughing. And I was like, do you realise whenever I got across that finish line today, how glad I was that that was only 13.1? I said, there's not a mission I could run 26.2. And Damien Funny had said to me, he says, it's only mentally, he says, you, if you can tell yourself you're going to do it, he says, you'll do it. So I never passed any remarks. I just brushed it off and thought, well, whatever, you could be right. And I come home then that second week in the January, met the boys out running and convinced me to go with them the next Saturday. And there was, there must have been about 12 of us out running on the road that Saturday. And we had been out in all um, up and down, the head road to the bottom and down along and back up again. We'd done a bit of hill repeats that day, I don't tell you. And Kieran was with us and never mentioned anything to me that day. We'd just done a racing, we'd done 12 mile, done a run, done 12 mile into the car and home. And I was sitting on the sofa on Saturday evening, just relaxing and my phone pinged. A message from Kieran, and he says, I want to ask you a question. He says, would you do Belfast with me? And I thought to myself, Belfast Marathon, he's crazy. <laughs> and uh, Andrew was sitting over there and I said to Andrew, Andrew, do you think I could do it? And he goes, I think you could do anything that you put your mind to. And I was like, well, I can't give him a straight answer now. I said, this is mad. I can't give him a straight answer. So I left it with him. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do a few long runs, see how I go. And if I can manage to do the few long runs, then yes, I will. I'll do Belfast with you. But he himself said that all the rest of the boys' marathons were before yeah. Belfast. And like he was training with them and he thought, this is going to be hard for me to train on my own whenever they've mm. all done their marathon, they're in taper point. He says, I'd still be doing big miles. And he's like, um, if I had somebody to train with me, he says, it'd be great. And both of us were on the same level. He had never ran any more than a half marathon. Right. But he was worse off than me because like he'd only started running about a year. At least <laughs> I had a few races on my belt and all. But he decided to jump in the deep end into a year after running to do a marathon. Yeah. I think the way that you approached it was good, even though it was a yeah a, a slow progression over the four years rather than because a lot of people jump into the marathon like in their first year. Yeah. So getting your pace down and you know five k, ten k, half. Yeah. And getting good running condition really helped you then go into the marathon. Yeah. Um, can you remember what it was like the week before the marathon? Because I know what it's like if it's your very first marathon. Very first marathon, you think to yourself, am I actually going to be able to do this? Because you, 
same so long ago since you done your last longest run. It was like maybe three weeks ago you'd done your twenty two mile, and start to feel like am I you're actually, losing your superpowers. Am I actually <laughs> fit enough to do this? And uh, you're doing your our last run was a twelve mile run, and then a few smaller runs during the week, but I just thought right I have to do, I just have to I just have to do this, but the nerves you have that week. Of the mind, people keep saying, to you, "Are you nervous?" And I'm like, "Oh, don't even talk about it." Yeah. I'm wild nervous, and I honestly didn't think I would be as nervous as what I, as I was. And they're and they're like, "Sure, it's only a race." And I'm like, "Tell us, come from somebody that doesn't know what running is." There's <laughs> a bit. Me. There was a bit of an expectation with you, but possibly as well. Yeah. You know, you've ran like one thirty two. Yeah. In the half. Yeah. And. It's different world we live in now with social media and things like that, and a lot yeah. of people know that you're doing it like beforehand. Yeah. What did it feel like getting the messages before the race? And she must have been inundated with them. That was brilliant. People all giving you words of encouragement mm. and telling you that you'll do great, and that even made it more nerve wracking. The pressure was definitely on them, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I just have to turn up and do this and try my very best because all these people have all this faith in me that I'm going to be great and I'm going to be fit to do this. And Andrew goes, you will be fit to do it. You'll not be a problem. And he goes, just take it slowly and steady. That was the most important information people have given me. And a whole lot of people have said that. Michael and Damien, a whole lot of them all said to me, slow and steady. Mm. And I was like, right, well, they have done, they've done well one marathon, so better take their advice. The night before? Yeah. Did you stay at home the night before? Yep. Good night's sleep? Kind of. <laughs> sleep for me isn't too bad. It was getting too bad to get the sleep. Yeah. Because your mind was racing, have all this done, have all that done. And then whenever you're, like, I'm sure maybe you're very good with your youngsters, but whenever you're left at home with your husband, with the youngsters, you're like, this is their clothes set out for the morning. Make sure you put that on them. And I'm going to put my bag in the bit of the car and change it in case you drive off and leave it sitting on my kitchen table. So I had all that to do, make sure all that was done before... I even went to bed. You've been a mother before you've been an athlete. Exactly. It's always, <laughs> it's always the way. I wouldn't even call myself an athlete. <laughs> but um, that morning then, this is the first marathon going up the road to Belfast. It's probably the easiest morning to get up because you were nearly afraid of sleeping in. And every at four o'clock, they looked at the clock and thought, oh, I have another alarm. 15 minutes is great. Alarm clock went off at twenty past five. Kieran told me I'd be there for you at twenty past six. If Kieran tells you he's only there at twenty past six, he'd be there at quarter past six. So up and got ready and tiptoed about the house and everything sussed. And then you heard the car in the drive. Kieran and Claire and the girls arrived to take me down to Belfast. They must have been buzzing then. It's a bit of a it excite, was, it exciting was, nerves. Yeah, I was like, it's good, but this bit of a drive. Set your nerves a wee bit, mm. and then getting the crackle in the car going down the road helped too. It set your nerves. It was such a good morning. It was yeah. a beautiful morning. Now, if it had been lashing, it might not just have been as nice, but the sun was shining and it was good. Beautiful day. Yeah. So, when you arrived there then, and you're trying to get into your corral? We arrived in loads of time. With loads of time? Yeah, we had loads of time. <laughs> I don't think there'd be ever a race gear here that doesn't arrive up to you in time. Um, we were, me and him got out, and we walked up Newton Arts Road at half seven on Sunday morning and there was a few people about now, a few as only was a few. So we uh, stood about and we looked up and we got our bearings about us and took a wee seat in the picnic bench then and watched the crowds coming in, which was good too because there was, again, there was people of all ages, 
uh, all fitness abilities walking past you and they were doing relay and they were dressed up some of the minions there was there was plenty to there was plenty to look at now so there was whenever we were there but time at that point time really went quickly yeah because you were sitting looking at the clock at the start line and you're like oh my goodness we only have 30 minutes left and then somebody would put out 15 minutes and then it was like well we're going to do a quick warm-up before and i was like Warm up. We're gonna to run twice, like point two miles. We need to do much of a warm up. <laughs> um, but we did. We did. We went and done a warm up, and then got back into the um at the start line and sort of made our way up to where we thought where we could get away at a good pace that we wouldn't be blocking because there's nothing as hateful if you're blocking somebody that's quicker than you. You know, you yeah. sort of say just I would have a habit sometimes turn around and saying to somebody, well, what sort of pace do you think you're gonna be going at? And uh. It was to say something to me like seven months. I goes, well, I'm definitely in the wrong place then. <laughs> I need to be back a bit. But we've got our space and whenever that... Uh... It's, it's, quite, it's slightly different than what you... There's all these things that are starting to unfold that you're not aware of when you've yeah. never run a marathon. So the messages you get the night before. Yeah. And, you know, that's quite can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. It's quite nice. Like, yeah. And then when you arrive at the race and you sort of get in the crowd and you start watching. I, I love... People watching. People watching. Yeah, everybody does. And you start seeing, like, everybody's in the same boat. You know, you're yeah. all going through the same emotion. And you see, like, as you said, minions going past or Batman or yeah. whatever going past. And then you start noticing people's tops. And, like, some people have, you know, maybe they've lost a son or yeah. an aunt or a brother or something. Or, there's so many people running for charity. I have a story. Everybody says their own story, haven't they? You know, and they've all come along that on that journey, and this sort of starts unraveling. Yeah. Right from the start of the morning, you're getting up, and the support and the crowd. It's not something that you're thinking of at all, because all you thought about is your running, yeah. your form, your pace. Yeah. But then you come onto that platform of the marathon, and all these things just start, one by one, coming in front of you. It's quite a magical thing, isn't it? It is. It is. It's unreal. Whenever it was started, we were just like, it's like. Right, we'll have 26.2 mile run. Let's just go out and just get this done at that point. And when you're running, the buzz about people and everybody at the start, everybody's settling into their run and people are cheering you on and you're going up Newtonard Road and people are clapping. And I'm thinking, like, these people have been out on a Sunday morning, right? It's Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Cheer me on going up Newtonard Road. It's amazing what they do. Give up. People do give up their time to come and support you, mm. and it is great. Well, how did the first five miles go then? Because it started in Stormont for the first time, like, mm-hmm. and because it was a Sunday as well, there were a lot more people. There was a lot more people about. There was a lot. The, the, the first five mile was great. I think that took us through the industrial estate at Craigie, and there was a church just on the left hand side, and they were out playing music. I mean, it was brilliant. So it was, and at different places you'd went to different churches, or the congregation maybe were out singing, or there was a band out playing. You're really starting to feel that carnival sort of yeah, festival. Yeah, that atmosphere. <clears throat> Did yeah. you out too fast? I went out. We had a pace set in mind. <laughs> we had a pace set in mind, and we're out, and we stuck at it. Like, where I had said to Kieran, like, you're a far better runner than I am, and he says nonsense. And I says no, you are. I says like, um, everybody has to run their own race, but as, if we can stay together for as long as we can. And then it's up to each of our own selves. We can't make each other's run for us. We have to do it our own. Um, just go. If you need to go quicker, just go. But I had a sort of an amygdala in my leg <coughs> over a road, my ankle on the Cardinal Road, about a month before, and a month before the training was 
due to stop before the marathon was actually going to take place. And I had it well healed up and then the week, the last long run, it flared up again. And I thought, this is sod's law. Definitely is. So I rested it. I ran the Sunday and I ran the Monday and I said, I'm not going to do again more to Saturday. See how it goes. And it was a wee bit sore on Saturday, but I said, this is manageable. And mm-hmm. I thought, I'll take a couple of painkillers before I start. Just, <laughs> just to make sure that I can get this done. So I took a couple of painkillers at the start line and I had painkillers with me in my um, bum bag. I thought they're just there for emergencies only. So I was going on anyway and by about mile, at mile, Kieran and them had left me at mile 16. I sort of dropped back a wee bit and I could see him looking for me and I was like, try to wave at him, I'm fine, I'm here. At that point there wasn't that big a distance between us. And uh, I was like, just keep going. <laughs> Don't worry about me, I'll be fine. And the leg then started to play up. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I said, like, I can't stop now. So mile 18, by mile 20, I got water. I got water, I got the tablets into me at mile 20. And ran on. Mile 21, I had an extra band around my wrist that for my head. Because I had two, one for warm weather, one for uh, not so warm weather. So I tied it got it tied round my knee at Jeez. mile 21 and see you stop on at mile 21 to do that and trying to get your legs to yeah. go again went started again and then at mile 22 fell in with uh andrea and david they were all out supporting at mile 22 and they were like do you want somebody to come run with you he's like oh, i'm all right whatever you want to do i don't mind so then david creator he came beside me at mile 22 in a pair of jeans and a pair of shoes and run with me the last four miles to the finish line. <laughs> and he said to me, about mile 24, he says, I doubt the MPN killers must be kicking. And he says, because you're going a lot quicker than what you were whenever we seen you. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you were you on your watch then to keep pace? Yeah. So did you notice then the distance creep very early on? Yeah. It was like in the very first few miles, wasn't it? But between mile three and mile four. Yeah, it was quite a... At that point, I didn't really notice it because I wasn't really concentrating on my watch at that point because we were in the we were just rolling and we were sort of chit-chatting to each other. <clears throat> it was whenever we came out on our park that we sort of realised, here, we've got extra... It was 0.4 of an extra mile whenever time we hit the um, flag for 8 mile. I was like, something not right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe... And then, I thought, then naively, I thought, oh, maybe they were being kind to us. Maybe by the time we get back to Ormo Park, the flags are going to be a bit closer. So yeah. I think that we're doing a really good job. These miles are going to get shorter. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. But it soon showed up that every mile marker we were getting 0. 0.4, 0.42, we were getting further out. It wasn't getting any less, it was getting more. Because you do lose a bit of distance anyway. You know, I've had like major marathons which are measured courses like and still finish like 26.7.8 because you've got the wide corners or you soon learn to go tight Tight. on the corners and things like that Um, and everybody after the race was like you know this that race was definitely done half a mile longer half and it was quite a a mishap by the marathon organizers wasn't it yeah because it was it was evident earlier on and some guy was running beside me and he said to me is your watch? What's your watch reading? And I was, yeah. I said to him, and he goes, mine's the same. There's definitely something not right here. And I was like, that's when we come to inclusion. Maybe they're being kind of, they're going to have that a lot closer at the end. But Did it affect your pace in any way or form then? You have to sort of catch it back or you on your first marathon? Yeah, so. no, I, we were just sort of kept, we were kept steady at that. We kept steady up until, well, I kept steady up until about mile 16, 17. And then we got the Woodvale Road 
at that point I was like I don't know where I'm at now. I would I would be very wouldn't be very good as around Belfast and part of Belfast. But I just knew they said to me that there's gonna be a mile around mile seventeen or mile eighteen. So when I look at my watch, it was like seventeen point five, and I'm like, is this mile? Is this gonna hill coming now, or or is it? Is it gonna be an extra mile's time? Because that half a mile makes all the difference. It really did. Yeah. Like whenever you're getting up going up them hills, there's it is brutal at mile eighteen. You're thinking to yourself, I really could do right this big hill at mile eighteen. So did you, did you go through the wall then? Some people do, some people don't. Like, did you start to really struggle around mile eighteen, nineteen? I don't think I struggled mentally around mile 18. I think it was more my leg caused mm. the issue around that point. But then maybe it was a... Distraction. Yeah, maybe it was a distraction. Because mm. they always say you have a bigger distraction somewhere else. You forget about <laughs> the pain you're going through. So maybe that was my distraction from thinking I can't do this anymore. Mm. Is there anything that sort of sticks out in your mind during the race? Other runners or anything or anything that happened? The, effort, the only thing I would say was um, the, I went through a point I think it was about mile 19 at this point and the 330 pacer had just come up the inside of me and he, he says to me are you all right I says oh I'm dead on I'll be grand I'll get there and I thought to myself this career he stepped her down look at mile 19 that's all I could think of he's got the energy there just to put in the lower gear and away he goes how on earth did I do it because I was falling back a bit at that stage mm-hmm. because I wasn't fit to go as quick as I was at the start and people were going out past you. And I was just like, it's amazing. How do they do that? <laughs> did they have a beard? Um, 3.30 pace or whatever. Like, so. I'm not sure if it was the guy with the beard or if it wasn't the guy with the beard. Mm. Not sure which one that was. So but there was a couple of 3.30 pacers. Yeah. And the, so they'll have a pace in the front and a pace behind. Like, so if you're in there, uh, right, sort okay. of bring it, bring it across the line. Like, um, What about the support then? It's not like you're not expecting that level of support like like no. obviously the best sport was on the normal road <laughs> yeah the normal road at my 24 whenever <laughs> whenever your legs are just about hanging out of you and you're thinking i really can't stop now because people are watching me and they're shouting at me and <laughs> it, well the sport was great finicky the support in finicky was amazing it really yeah, was yeah. when you turned in round the corner of finicky and the crowd that were standing there clapping i just couldn't believe it i was like wow look at the crowds and they'll say to me Belfast is for crowds, isn't it as good as such and such or such and such? And I'm like, I have nothing else to compare this to. I just think they're great. Mm. So they were. But knowing that you have Landry and Andrew and the youngsters and some of the boys were at different points. So they were at mile three and then they had went in the city centre and then they had joined us there on um, Anderson's town, they had met us there and then they went back to the Armour Road. So every point, every sort of different points you met them, they were roaring, shouting at you. And so I thought to yourself, how do you get there so quick? You know, that's the way. The driving this place might be mad whilst running this road today. But, uh So tell me, running down the Ravenhill Road then, because nice glide, it's a nice finish, like, yeah. downhill. And once you get the Omar Road and you can get around that roundabout, yeah. or around the corner, there's a little bit of relief then. A wee bit of relief knowing that you're going to be downhill and then you're into the park at that point. But you see when you go into the park, you're into the park and there are people there and they're still cheering you on but you can hear the finish line and you're like where is this finish line <laughs> you're waiting for it i'm waiting for it and you're like i still can't see this finish line i can hear it but i can't see it and i'm still going on and it wasn't until you were nearly going out through the gates at the bottom that you looked over to your left hand side you could see it all happening and i'm just like at this point how much further have i got to go <laughs> So uh, because I was like to David, I looked at the watch. I goes, "There's twenty six point two mile now," and he's like, "Don't you stop? You keep going." 
Brilliant. So how did it feel then crossing the finish line? Oh. Did you find it emotional? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was just like all that hard work that we have put in has mm. paid off. You know, I honestly think to do something like that, you have to be so prepared mentally and physically. It is, it's a tough, it is a tough thing to do, but maybe more so mentally, get in mind of her matter. Yeah. So it is, but I was just delighted to get over that finish line and in one piece and not having to crawl or having the enemy to help me and it was just amazing. Um, were you buzzing after that then? Yeah. What, what, what was your finishing time? My finishing time, before they took two minutes off, was... No, the official. <laughs> official finishing time. My finishing time was 3, 40, 25. That was brilliant for your first marathon. Like, you must have been well chopped yeah, for that. Yeah, I was delighted. So, so do you think... Will I do another one? <laughs> you know that question was going to come up. <laughs> well, Andrew had said to me after, about half an hour after I had crossed the finish line, did you enjoy it? And I was like, funny, it's a really strange thing. I said, I find it tough, but I did enjoy it. So I did. I think it was because of the whole atmosphere. But he said to me, would you do another one? And I said, I don't know, but I maybe would like to try one without being injured, as if that's possible. <laughs> But then, is, is, it, is it possible to do a marathon training without picking up some sort of an injury? And that, and that, well, it is, if you're asking the question. like, um, But obviously, the more you condition yourself, it's no different than your half marathon and things like that. Once yeah. your body gets stronger and stronger over the long distances, doesn't it? Like, yeah. And it's pace that really gets you. Yeah. You know, it's, but everybody's different. So it's hard to say this yeah. way or that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know some people that run marathon after marathon. They would have run a marathon the day after Belfast and they're not injured and run at the same time. Yeah. You know, like, so... <clears throat> what was it like with the family being there then? That was great. It really... Like, if they... If they weren't part of what I do, it wouldn't be the same because mm. they're supporting us, shouting, come on, mummy, you can do it, keep going. And you need that support. Yeah. So I, I remember when I finished Tokyo. Yeah. Um, across the line and they weren't there oh. being a real wuss I just burst into tears just for about 10 seconds like caught myself on as people watching me but I've got an official photograph yet there was something um, emotional about it you know you've finished it and you've gone through all of that hard mental work physical and then you're on your own yeah Is it, oh. <laughs> you yeah know. it probably wouldn't be the same if you hadn't them at the finish line to give you that big hug mm. And say you did well. So it wouldn't. It would be tough, I think, if you were just to walk back to your hotel and think, well, I've done that. And I'm sure nobody there at the end of it, really, was there? Did you learn anything through the race then? Is there anything you've done, like, from a fueling perspective or anything that... Fueling was a big thing for me because I had done a few half marathons and never took fuel on board. So that was the thing I had to learn to do on my training runs. So it was, and then you had a sort of plan out in your head, I'm going to take a wee block, one of those cliff blocks, at what mile I'm going to take it. And remember to tell yourself to take it at mile 10, okay. every four Yeah. I would have five blocks before I go to bed sometimes, <laughs> just because they're there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like remembering to tell yourself, don't forget to take that, because you get so far, like you, you think you have a big job running, you have a big job remembering to tell yourself to take yeah. your fuel on board. Brilliant. So you do. Is there... If you had a choice to run any race at all, on is there any one that you would love to do? At this stage, I don't really think 
if I if I was going to do another one, I don't actually care where I would do it. I would just be happy to go and think to myself, right, I have an eye of the time and I've done. Is there a chance I could bear that? <laughs> There's that competitive drive. We bear competitiveness, but I like as I said, yeah. could you go and do another one injury free? You might not even reduce your time. It could just be something very similar. I, yeah. I think like how Well you ran one thirty two in your half marathon, like so you've got yeah. plenty of potential there. Maybe a bit of, maybe a wee bit of scope for movement. Yeah. I don't know if without, it'd be much. Oh absolutely without a doubt. Like how did it feel after the marathon? You know everybody's going, Oh well done Joanne, all that good stuff. Like that's part of the journey as yeah. well. The amount of people that put on comments on Facebook I had to put a wee bit up myself about being able thanking everybody basically for helping me to do it, mm. to achieve it. And the amount of comments that I got through it was amazing. I was like, Because it's not a thing you do. It's something you start out to do on yourself. Yeah. But the journey becomes, everybody gets involved with you, don't they, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. The amount of encouragement that you get through the race. And um, What would you say to Joanne of 2016? Have you met so- Joanne of 2016? Would you tell them to run a marathon? Would you encourage somebody to run a marathon? I would say never say never. But if I had met Joanne in 2016 and told her after crossing the finish line in uh, nearly half, the first ever half, Joanne 2016 would turn around and say, Dear Ma, there's not a mission. I'm ever <laughs> going to do a marathon. <laughs> really, one thing I would say is it's easier whenever you have company. To mm-hmm. see to do your training whenever you have somebody there to train along with because you don't want to let them down as such. Because many tonight or morning I could have said, rolled over and said, oh, I just don't think I could have bothered going out for that 20 mile run this morning, you know? <laughs> but whenever somebody's coming to pick you up to take you to start your 20 mile run, you're like, no, I have to, for not only for me, but for them too, I have to do this. Like, so Did you enjoy the long runs? Did you feel... I, I love the long runs. I love the journey of training for the marathon, actually more than the marathon, mm. believe it or not, which is a good way to be as well because yeah. whatever happens on the marathon day happens. Yeah. Um, but did you get that self of that sense of achievement when you were going through the training? Every week, every week there was something different because being only running 13.1 mile before, whenever mm. we stepped up, was a new, somewhere new for us. We had never been before. You know, we were just like, right, we've never run 15 miles before, but we'll give it a good shot, we'll do this. And you know, the sense of achievement, even after you'd done them long runs that you'd never done before, you're just like, wow, we've done 15 miles this time, you know? And then the next week, it could have been 17. And that was another place where you have mm-hmm. grey area you'd never been before, and you had done 17 miles, and you were like, I've just done 17 miles. <laughs> and you moved to 20 miles. Was that the longest distance? 22 right? was our longest distance. So that was a good run. Like. Yeah. Did you find yourself driving in the car and sitting thinking, geez, like, you're 22 miles away, and you're like, geez, I ran 22 miles. Yeah. <laughs> or you're 26 miles from Belfast on the way up. Yeah. You're just like, well, that's some amount of running. <laughs> there is some running. There is literally some running in 26 miles. Mm-hmm. So there is. Kill, kill to Dan Patrick. Yeah. Like, if somebody said to you, you won't do that there now, you'd be like, are you mad? <laughs> Class. John, thanks very much. No Appreciate problem. that. An amazing story of strength, determination and focus. I always believe that you should never say never when the choice to do something is in your hands. Stay strong, keep the training up 
It's not only is it influencing those around you, but it's also making your body strong to take you through those times of hardships. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.